the developmental side of Marvel vs. Capcom hasn't showed many signs of life in recent times, but the culture the franchise inspired seems to have quite literally decided to take over in an intriguing, exciting, and quite beautiful way. Plus, Catalyst lists the eight characters he thinks need to die during Street Fighter VI's story, all on this week's episode of Talkin' Block. Alright, welcome back to another episode of Event Hub's Talking Block. I am John Catalyst Green. With me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. I, uh, I, that sounded weird to me when you said Talking Block. Was there a little bit of a hesitation there? Were you going to say podcast or did you, did you know Talking Block the whole time? I knew Talking Block the entire time. Good I'm on with Good it. Stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, no, right on. Um, I'm, I'm catching up a little bit here. Thank you guys, uh, for, for joining us for our, our second official recording of Talking Block. Uh, the, as you guys know, we've got a new channel. We've got a slightly new show. It's going to become more and more new in uh, the not too distant future here. And you know, we're doing something a little new today. But I bet you before I introduce that, you're going to want to say, I don't know. Click what to say the here. like button. Oh yeah! Um, if you guys don't mind uh, hitting the like button, it actually helps out the channel just a, a ton. Cycle crush the like button. Uh, there it is. Yeah, actually, that's it's looking at the analytics. I, I always feel like okay, everybody says those things, but they also seem to they work. Apparently, they work. People won't yep. click unless you say that. So please subscribe, <laughs> click, comment, all those things that I feel like I shouldn't. Anyways, um, this week we are not. I am not talking about Street Fighter. John will be talking about Street Fighter, absolutely. But I am not talking directly about Street Fighter. I'm going to talk about Marvel vs. Capcom, which I am no expert in. But something is going on in Marvel vs. Capcomville right now that I think is really important, very interesting. Um, I don't know what all the takeaways uh, should be at this point. I, I don't presume to know. But I think it's just worth sort of talking about and looking at and appreciating. And so before I get into all that, I want to say that in high school, I had a creative writing class and the teacher, Mr. Scrivener, shout outs to Scribs. He, he actually might be watching this. He was a huge nerd. Uh, we talked Resident Evil. Uh, but Mr. Scrivener, I remember one day him telling us uh, that once you as an artist send your art out into the public, out into the society, out into the world, it is no longer yours. And uh, maybe it's better put no longer fully yours. And of course, that doesn't mean your name isn't signed to the bottom, that you don't have copyright, you know, uh, ownership of it, that you can't, depending on what the art is, take it and maybe continue to change it, add to it, evolve it, whatever. But what it means is that once it goes out there, other people, unless they're completely apathetic to it, other people are going to develop a relationship with it and they are going to develop like it's going to mean something specific to them. It's going to entertain them. It's going to uh, shine light on, on something about themselves. They're going to develop a relationship with it on the individual level and also on the societal or community level, especially in the case of Marvel versus Capcom. And art can be a lot of different things. It could be a piece of music. It could be a, a, a creative writing. It could be it could be um, stand up. It could be a video game franchise that you develop. And um, so this idea that it goes out there and it's no longer yours because the, the artist has control of virtually every component of it while they're creating it. But once they send it out there, this the relationships that develop with this art, the artist is not in control over. 
And it becomes truly the other, uh, every single individual that interacts with it and is impressed by it in some way changes its, its meaning, changes its definition, changes what it is. And the artist really doesn't have much say over that once it's out there. So that concept, which was very difficult for a lot of creative writing high school students to comprehend and be okay with, <laughs> uh, that concept seems to be, in at least certain ways, literally applied to Marvel versus Capcom right now as the community has evolved and into a culture that has, in a sense, reclaimed Marvel versus Capcom. And it's different, it's beautiful, it's intriguing, it's weird, but like I said, I'd want to look at it. Um, so that's the the sort of gist of all of this. But before I go any further, John, did you have any any reactions to any of that? Or do you think it's yeah, totally um, stupid and not even legit? No, no, no. <laughs> it, a lot of artists say like, you know, um, uh, what was it? The, um, the fray, they had the song How to Save a Life, you know, and that was about a very specific moment in that guy's life where he was, you know, dealing with someone, but they really opened it up the, the meaning of the song because they're like, mm -hmm. we want it to be representative of you know anyone who listens to it and enjoys it we want them to to feel how they feel with it um and, and you know that's that's really that's really good uh, work from the artist when they do that mm -hmm. yeah yeah so what's happening specifically now um i, I almost want to go back a little bit over the history of marvel versus capcom um because there are some really important components of that story that that feed into the current situation so i'll do that as quickly as possible for those of you that need a quick refresher uh marvel everybody knows what marvel is now was not as popular back in the 90s and they uh actually ended up selling some of their characters spider-man the fantastic four the x-men to fox and we a lot of us watch those daily or those saturday morning cartoons with spider-man and the x-men and such all right. Well, and and then during this time too, Marvel or uh, Capcom develops the Marvel versus Capcom franchise and makes some fighting games with the Capcom characters of their choosing and a handful of Marvel characters. All right, it's all good. And this uh, uh, this franchise really takes off and there's uh, all this, you know, Justin Wong's winning Evo and all this stuff and the community really develops around it. In 2000, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 comes out and is this huge boom for the fighting game community. And indeed, it becomes more a culture than just something people do. You know, there's a people have a relationship with the characters, with what it means to go out and play with one another in casuals, what it means to attend tournaments, what it means to share tech, how this game is affecting them and how it affects them on an individual level. Level, as well as a communal level, there is a culture that's developing around this. Marvel vs. Capcom 3 comes out, and I think it was 2011. And famously, just uh, like seven or eight months after it comes out, it gets an update, and then it is frozen in time, never to be updated again. Why? Because Marvel takes off. Uh, Iron Man 1, the film comes out, the MCU kicks off, and it becomes one of the biggest, most recognizable names in entertainment across the world. But handful of their characters are still over in Fox. That causes a lot of red tape, and it seems as though Capcom can't make any more Marvel vs. Capcom games. Well, they do it anyway, and in 2017, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite comes out. They just skip over the, the characters that are in question. So Wolverine, the X-Men, Magneto, Storm. I mean, I know those are all X-Men characters, but you know. Uh, and and they're just like, well, and I, and I hate to bring it up. I love you, Peter. I love you, Combo Fiend. But that mention about functions... 
that's actually really crucial here because uh, people pushed back on this. It was not the game. It was not the franchise that they had fallen in love with, and it was not okay. It wasn't Capcom's prerogative in a certain way to get rid of these characters and call something Marvel versus Capcom because the community had, at this, even at this point, taken it and it made it their own, and that wasn't Marvel versus Capcom, which is yeah. interesting, you know, yeah. to the point where... They reject it. The game ultimately fails, and maybe the franchise has fallen away completely. Uh, but I should go back. Combo Fiend at one point, a representative from Capcom, said, players aren't looking to see these exact characters. Talking about Magneto, they want other characters that function in the same way, that play in the same style, and as long as they can have functions of those characters that they've fallen in love with, they'll be okay. And the response to that was, no, we want Magneto. We want Storm, we want Wolverine, and it is not Marvel versus Capcom unless it is those characters. It is not the movements they make, it is not their hitboxes, it is that character, those characters, that identity that we are after. That shows you that this is more than a game. This is a culture, and that was a non-negotiable about this. Yeah, and uh, uh, just to, to highlight a little bit more of the scenario there, uh, that directive was handed out by, by the suits at Capcom. Uh, and uh, Peter sure. and, and uh, uh, Mike Evans, I, I believe Mike is still there, uh, were the unfortunate people who had to fall on that sword with being the messengers. So mm -hmm. uh, the community, of course, uh, being very kind and thoughtful about all this stuff, just shot both messengers as much as humanly possible. Their corpses were on the ground. They started beating them. Um, OTG, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was not a fun experience for those guys. Uh, sorry, Peter. Sorry, Mike. No. So. No. But we learned a lot from it, right? So, uh, okay, and then, uh, what was it, four, five, six months ago, Maximilian kicks off the uh, free MVC2. Of course, Mar Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is no longer available um, to, to purchase digitally or physically, and that's not okay with the, with the, uh, the Marvel vs. Capcom crowd, so they are pushing to get that re-release, let their voices be heard. And then in more modern times... Uh, and the bulk of what's going on right now and the focus that I want to look at is an evolution of Marvel versus Capcom 3. People have been able to mod for a long time, but in the fighting game community, that usually means that they can change the physical appearance of characters. And so while it's still like, say you're changing Ryu, it's still very much just the Ryu character, but maybe you make him look like, you know, Albert Wesker or whatever. And so it looks like another character. Oh, and maybe they're sort of similar, but they're not really going to function any differently. Um, that's been around for a long time, but the Marvel versus Capcom community has gone, well, Infinite didn't work. This franchise feels like it's frozen, maybe dead. Uh, maybe something else will come out in the future now that Disney owns everything. It's like maybe that red tape is gone, but we're not going to hold our breath for it. And we still want to play these games that we like, not Infinite. What are we going to do? We will take the art and we will continue to evolve it. And through a community effort of a lot of really brilliant minds that are, that are good with uh, this kind of tech and that can now share their findings and, and enhance each other's forward progress, they have changed it from just being able to mod and palette swap. They're able to import different characters from different games into Marvel 3, design these characters uh, to fit the Marvel mold a, a good bit. And now we are seeing the likes of Thanos and Rashid and Jury and Urien and Cyclops and all the characters that anyone would want uh, implemented into Marvel vs. Capcom 3, shared with the community, and the game is truly on its way to becoming uh, the next version of MVC 3 just completely developed by the community. 
the art has been taken from Capcom in a certain sense and taken forward. Dakota has been on, on our team here. Dark Horse has been writing a lot about um, these these mods and this kind of narrative that's been playing out. And in one of his um, articles, he said, at this rate in a year or two, we could essentially be playing a brand new Marvel vs. Capcom game that was built from the ground up by fans. Maybe not brand, brand new. You could get you know lost in the weeds there. But the, the significance, the takeaway is that, yes, the fans are taking this farther because it means so much to them that Capcom almost can't just say we're stopping it. Uh, it's become bigger than them. Now, you might see a cease and desist or two come out and, and maybe there will be some weeds there. Uh, I come for from Disney. Get... Disney is yeah. uh, kind of notorious, actually. I've watched numerous things and uh, um, it's like Mickey Mouse gives someone a cease and desist and it's like 5 billion pages <laughs> long and other stuff. And it's like, that might be coming here. Uh, it's kind of always a dance that, that modders do, you know, in this in this scene. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, here you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not bad. Not a bad impression. So you you need a little bit more um uh just uh insanity lurking behind that very friendly voice. Mm, by the way, yeah. <laughs> to or, properly represent uh, Disney's. I got to play a little more Marvels. What I got to do? <laughs> <in that place. laughs> hmm. So so I just I see this and I go. This is 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 beautiful in a way. Um, again, it's a it's a culture that the fans have reclaimed, and it's literally. You can see it in action, the art no longer belonging to the original artist in a very significant way. And as much as I'd like to say that's crazy and it's never been done before, it's like this has been done before in recent times with another fighting game, Super Smash Bros., right? Yeah. And and um, that, of course, happened with uh, the evolution into Brawl. It was a decent game, but it had some very big issues with it. And so the community said, well... It's close, but it's not exactly what we want. We'll just take it and change it into what we want. And they did Project M, where they applied a lot of, uh, you know, they got rid of tripping and they they tuned some things around to make it closer to melee, closer to what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then even more recently, they've uh, they've granted um, online play to melee via the the Slippy mod, and now people can play Super Smash Bros. Melee in a two decades plus old game um, online and. Yeah. With it's rollback amazing. code, yeah. With, it's rollback, a, with code. rollback code, it's it's like, yep, they they got it in there. Uh, it's when you're modding old games, uh, the rollback code's a little easier to do because the the performance um, decreases from saving game states. It's not as much because you know you're you're talking about games that are 10, 20, however many years old. Uh, the the hardware that you're running it on is so much more powerful than you know a GameCube was, right? Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's you know light years ahead of it. So rollback code is is not too hard to do with some of these older games. Absolutely. So where will this go? I don't know. It could just end up in a political, you know, crash and burn if if Disney decides they want to put the kibosh on it. But for as long as it goes and and for as as many new characters, new mechanics, new ways of playing Marvel uh, pop up. I think that this is something we should really appreciate. And and maybe, it, you know, best case scenario, the passion resonates so far up the chain that the, the powers that be see this as a financially worthwhile venture and, you know, do stuff I, by the I, book. I got to cut you off there and just say that's not a that's not an if that is a that's a definite thing. Um, when when uh, um, executives at these companies are seeing dollar signs, they're going to put some effort into trying to make this go. Now it may not go anywhere, but but um, I I do remember like it was like Marvel vs. Capcom two was like the the number one Xbox Live selling game or whatever uh, when they re released it, um, and uh, and it was such a, a, a 
prominent product that it did help um, ignite some stuff between Capcom and, yeah. and Marvel and to get stuff going. So so these studios, they do very much care when there's a lot of movement happening with these franchises that are dormant or whatever. Uh, they, they very much will use that stuff as, as leverage to kind of, you know, get some stuff going. It's not a definite, but it is something that is consistently used at, at these companies to to ignite stuff to, to get it started. Mm. Well, regardless of what happens, even if Marvel versus Capcom never comes back, it will never be said with any kind of accuracy that that wasn't because the Marvel versus Capcom culture community was not trying uh, mm-hmm. and that did it's not show passion yeah. and love for their game. And and it's not to say that other communities don't obviously have this kind of a thing, but MVC, you guys, I, I, I <laughs> part of the fighting game community but also i'm more of a street fighter kind of guy but i look across the uh the aisle to the mvc crowd and i go you guys are the real deal you guys are hype you guys are passion you guys are more than a community you have become a culture and that's awesome yeah love the marvel community man it's just it's such a great community it's really a shame that they don't have a better game to to rally around uh you know it's uh infinite was underappreciated but you know it's uh, the flaws in the words you talked about there are, are well documented but marvel 3 is an amazing game and seeing it come back and seeing it come back like this is just wonderful so um yeah i uh yeah i might, I might have to to start playing some marvel game if they if i got better netcode i know there's like parsec and other stuff out there to play um but you know i'm, I'm all about the netcode kind of baked into the game uh that's that's what i want so um you know hey marvel 4 you know bring it on let's let's see it let's uh, i want the marvel 4 back so All right. right. So uh, next up, uh, I wanted to talk about eight characters who may die in Street Fighter six. But before I get into it and see, I'm wearing black today. I'm mourning all the characters that we potentially may may lose here. Uh, But if everyone watching this doesn't mind leaving a like, it actually helps out the channel tremendously. A huge help there. Um, So. Getting into it, first off, I I don't want to cheat with this list and include people like Kin's cousin twice removed, who you've never heard of before. Everyone that we're about to talk about has been playable previously in a main Street Fighter game. Um, okay, so, so so this is in this is in Street Fighter Six's story. These characters should either die or be dead or stay dead or, or... They, they've got a good chance of dying, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe not all eight of them, but like they're I'm going to make the cases for all eight of them. Why they, they probably should die are, you know, at least some of them, at least. Right? And is this so. a fighting game death where you can come back or be sleeping? Uh, or is this like a and it, and it means that they're not coming back for Street Fighter seven? I personally feel like the death should be a little bit more permanent, but we're starting to get into to areas of time travel and other stuff. So death is rarely permanent in any video game or franchise or whatever. Uh, no one's ever really gone. So it so. means that they're not in Street Fighter six, maybe not in seven, but we'll, we're not going to go oh. that far. Well, no, no, I, I would actually say some of these characters will be in Street Fighter 6, but they're going to die as part of the story. Okay. To move the story so along. really has story, to do with the story. Yeah, to, to introduce some real stakes in some of these story modes. Because when you when you have a character death, especially someone who's a prominent figure, there there's that that ups the stakes. It gives you a real reason to follow along with a plot. Like, oh, is this character going to survive or not? You know, a shout out to Game of Thrones, but like it was very shocking when some of the characters died in that franchise and people like, oh, you know, who's going to make it to the end? Um, mm. And of course, you know, the end is a different story on that, but we're, we're going to ignore that for right now and just focus on the middle part of Game of Thrones and just the 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 drama and the other stuff that, that got ramped up by not knowing who was going to survive. And so getting right into it, at number eight, I have two characters uh, and so it's going to be an, uh, one or the other, and that would be Ed R. Falk. 
um, bison bodies aren't supposed to be extra durable. And in Street Fighter V, Manat actually tells Ed that once he grows up, the he that he is now will cease to be. Mm. I would actually take that a step further by killing off either Ed or Falk as their bodies become unstable due, due to the, the cycle power infusion that they had. Oh. And, and the good guys are trying to get rid of bison cycle power, which is still out there, right? And that could have the unintended side effect of like, oh, it wipes out one of his potential bodies that he had, you know. And so, you know, if it wipes out Ed, Falk might be on kind of like the edge and they're like, can we save Falk? Can we get her in there and other stuff like that? Have major implications on the cast. Ooh, I like that because although they used it somewhat in Street Fighter V uh, in A Shadow Falls, this ticking time bomb or the ticking clock, that's what they did with Nash. They like the, he comes back, but he's, his time here is limited. You know, like he's eventually going to deteriorate again. He's only Frankenstein together. And yeah, if you wanted to make it one or the other, maybe you could make it. Well, there's a lot you could do here, but maybe have the example happen to one of them die at the beginning of the story. The other one is now like the decaying version of themselves. The ticking clock is always there and maybe they're starting to like, you know, break apart Oni and, you know, there's like some psycho power coming out or whatever. Or maybe they're super old, you know, like the super old version. And then you could mess with like, you know, some of their moves and whatnot and their movements. That's really cool. Um, And and immediately those two are two characters that I've never cared that much about all honestly. Uh, But just the idea of a ticking time bomb for one of them especially if the, if you heighten the stakes by showing what happens with the other one early on and them trying to uh, uh, change their fate in some respect that's really cool and and maybe it's been done before but uh, do it absolutely yep. you make Falk, in, Falk interesting yeah, you, you have, you know, a billion bison bodies out there creating some real stakes of, of him creating that many bodies and potentially having them become unstable for whatever reason. You know, maybe a cycle power, you know, dissipates, all that other kind of stuff, like introducing some real stakes to the bison bodies and making them not just a random, you know, whatever would, would go a long way, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so getting into it next, we have number seven, Zeku. Uh, this might be a little mm. bit of an unusual choice for some people, but but Bushin Ryu teaching say that to become the head of, of that 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 martial arts style than ninjutsu and stuff they teach you must defeat the master in a battle to the death however when zeku won he didn't kill his master when he beat him and then guy did not kill zeku obviously when he beat him as well so what the i rule propose, has no authority anymore <laughs> yeah, well that's that's kind of the point so what i propose is that a young and up-and-coming ninja wants to take the title of the bushin ryu master and he tracks down zeku who's fairly old by this time and kills him off as should have been done previously and then he lets guy know that he's on his way to find him and kill him too to restore the previous honor of the bushin ryu discipline which guy and zeku forsook entirely mm-hmm. by not killing their masters so there's a reason for this it's like it's actually baked into the plot this would create some real stakes for guy and his friends as there would be a ninja assassin on his way uh, or his or her way or they them to track down and murder guy who he's not only capable of doing it he has very valid reasons to kill guy and I already, and he can have the Zeku mechanic where he changes from two different forms and his name can be buddy and friend. <laughs> that's, that's sounds You're like welcome. Capcom's now we've, that was yeah, the this... final missing part to your awesome, otherwise awesome piece of the story. Yep. I think we can green light it. Let's do All it. Right. Uh, buddy Capcom, and friend. You can, send, you can send the check to John down here below in the comments. We've left his address and name and phone number and everything down there. Go ahead and send the check to him. So um, anyway, uh, moving on here to number six, I have Oro. And the big problem with Oro is Capcom probably made him too powerful, but more on that later. Uh, the big reason for Oro also dying is he's seven billion years old. 
Um, so age is clearly catching up with them as Oro states multiple times. He's really getting up there and is looking to hand off the reins to someone else. Uh, his death is only uh, the only reasonable way to do so because he's hands down the most powerful good guy in the entire franchise and no one can really overtake him until he's out of the way. He's old as crap and yet he's still the most powerful character, right? So John, now I want to get into something not controversial at all. And, and it's this little known franchise called star Wars. I was going to say, is he going out like Yoda? Because he's definitely going out like Yoda, right? <laughs> well, uh, the, one of the problems with Luke Skywalker is by the time that we see him in The Last Jedi, one of the new trilogy movies, he's all powerful and apparently can pull down an entire Star Destroyer. You know, the like, big ass ships that they have in Star Wars. He can do that by on his own with the Force. The apprentice or Star Killer can do that in Force Awakens, or uh, is that is that um, yeah the the Force Awakens games? And I always thought that was kind of BS, but it was also like, all right, I can take this as like he's super ridiculously powerful, but like let's not make this canonical because yeah. that's just goofy. It's like fine for the game, fine make the player feel powerful, but let's not make it canonical. And then all of a sudden, Luke can do it too. So yeah, and that is canonical. It's actually officially in you know the Disney stuff, and it's like so what happens? This is, this creates all sorts of problems with trying to find an evil boss who can match that like you have an all-powerful character who's really going to challenge them and you have to make all these ridiculous stakes and situations to make them fit and and, and so this is a problem with oro and, and that's why i want to see capcom kind of kill him off because he is supposed to hands the rain hand the reins off to you know ryu or alex or you know maybe luke or something like that and, and there's a lot of reasons for the old hermit to ggs himself at some point mm -hmm. basically and just say hey i'm out he's old he's other stuff he's just kind of too powerful and he's one of the few characters you know that i actually like it's like yeah let's just kind of get rid of him because he just it's too hard to make him work and is he really gone <laughs> star wars anyway at number five we have fong and a big problem with keeping Fong going is that at some point, Shadowloo ceases to exist entirely by the time Third Strike comes around. Chun-Li and others officially take down Shadowloo. And, and then it's time for the Illuminati to step in and run the show fully. Fong is second in command of Shadowloo, and this gives him almost nothing to do if Shadowloo is gone. The character wasn't well thought of in Street Fighter V. He's kind of a weenie. His whole premise is being Bison's second in command and being obsessed with the number two. And all the stuff just falls apart if Shadowloo is no more. And that makes Fong, in my opinion, very disposable. Okay. Um, maybe, I don't know that Capcom's done this, but they do have characters like Dan, right? And they, they're they they're totally okay with playing some meta jokes and, and things along those lines. With either Fong or if, uh, and I don't know the characters on your list, but if Nikali, uh, he, he fits in the same sort of an, an idea. A new character for Street Fighter V that didn't really work and you want to get rid of him, maybe you can have some extremely unceremonious way of them dying and like legitimately dying just to, you know, like, all right, this didn't work. Let's kill him. Let's have fun with it together. And so maybe, you know, Fong is... is Maybe he's just walking in like the hot dog cart from the from the New York stage. Like he trips and it falls on him, and he gets crushed yeah. by a bunch of wieners or something. I don't know, yeah. like whatever. Yeah. He chokes on a, something, but just some like piano falls on his head, and it's out of nowhere, just yeah. totally unceremonious. Like yeah, mistake. Well, we'll move on. Here we yeah. go, and everyone can kind of laugh too along with. Yeah, that would be perfect. That's or that's Dan helpful. kills him. Dan yes, kills him. Dan kills him. Yes, give Dan something to do. That would be you perfect. Can check out the, uh, the 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 informations in the comments. Send the check to my house. <laughs> All right. So at number four, that was I've a callback. Yeah, I've got Seth. <laughs> 
<laughs> Seth is another potential bison body. So a number of things we said about Ed and Falk, they could apply there to them. Uh, however, they're a robot, so the body rapidly decaying might not exactly apply there, right? However, Sin is part of Shadowloo. And once again, we know this organization gets wiped out at some point, and it makes sense that Seth would also go down with the ship as well. So Seth was destroyed once before in Street Fighter 4, right? But Jury kept their essence around and put it into another robot. Um, but it's not hard to imagine Seth dying again since it happened once before. But this time, their essence is maybe being lost for good. You know, because it, it, it's like, okay, yeah, like Seth was a quite, kind of a cool idea. Um, we explored them a good bit, but... You know, they just they're they're kind of dead, dead. Like this point around because we've got to get to the Illuminati. That that means Urian. That means Gil. That means Colleen. That means this kind of like new essence and other stuff going in here. Uh, how does that strike you? I think that yeah, you could do this, but you could also have some fun with it. Where you know you've got Shadowloo and Sin, but then it's in the aftermath of you know post Bison and such, and so like they own the essence of Seth, but then they get split up because they're downsized and they get like uh, you know acquired by Activision Blizzard or something like that, and then uh, they, it kind of just gets like the Seth data gets lost, and then they can't access it, and then they don't know where it's at, and it gets you know, and it's and you could hide it away for for years and bring it up in a, in a new game later, but yeah, it'd be something like if it just oh technical difficulties and it got lost in in our you know in, in all of our dust and all of our transition and such and uh the all-powerful seth is just like you know unser again unceremoniously stuck on some flash drive somewhere in like you know the activision's back room or whatever right that that should work out well shout out to blizzard activision at number three we've got gen and this character has been terminally ill for a long freaking time he keeps fighting he's hoping to go down in the midst of a great battle that's like what you know drives him he's like well i'm going to die anyway of whatever i want to die in the, in the in, you know in the heart of battle right and this this character's death has actually been promised since the alpha games yeah. and it only makes sense that at some point in time his terminal illness will actually kill him and he'll officially be gone um, some people he got might hit by argue, a raging demon, right? Also on top of his leukemia. I'm not sure. Maybe the maybe the raging demon just wiped out his cancer, and he's like, okay, well, I'm good now. Except for the cancer came back, and now I'm going to die again. I don't know. Some people might argue that Gen should be number one on this list because of how long he's been terminally ill for. He's like been terminally ill for like most of Street Fighter's existence, right? So it's hard to imagine that at some point he won't die. But then again. <laughs> why won't you die <laughs> now that's a good thing that i'm not the writer for this because i would just make everything a joke like all yeah. the characters like you'd be like ken's here and all the characters are like wait ken Gen, wait ken's still alive and yes. like just again another meta joke on themselves like that guy should be dead or maybe he's just trying to die so he's picking fights that he knows he's like just like totally not likely to win and stuff or like walking under pianos and maybe walking next to the hot dog cart with fong but fong's the one that dies and gen <laughs> tragically just can't <laughs> die for whatever reason you know and he's like smoking and <laughs> uh, I, I would do something like that because that's totally gen's personality and would fit completely with the character but that's, that's yeah <laughs> if we see the fallen street fighter 6 john we'll know where capcom got it from so there we go so at number two we've got nash no one's ever really gone as street fighter 5 proved with nash nash has died officially once now and yet i can see him re-dying yet another time because street fighter 6 is expected to go back in time i know you're holding up too here's the thing about it nash's body blows up and or disappears but shout outs to his V-Trigger 1 because he disappears with his V-Trigger 1. And the last we see of him, his dog tags like fly on the thing. But we don't actually see him die. He just kind of like goes woof 
Like that, but yeah, he's but got the his alum- dog tags go with him when he does V trigger one. Fair enough. So maybe this is V trigger three. No. Ah, <laughs> smart. Yes. By the way, what you just said and like how it kind of like breaks some rules of like, oh well, technically, uh, yeah. Capcom would absolutely use that if they wanted to to backtrack and, and revamp something. So you, yeah. that's not at all crazy uh, in yeah. this particular context. But most yeah, of the time, I- it would be. I wish it should be. I went back and looked at the Street Fighter Five mode, and I'm like, okay, everyone says Nash dies, he blows up or whatever. I watched it like five times, and I'm like, all all he does is he grabs Bison's boob, and he starts to absorb all of Bison's power through his boob. And, and then, like, it kind of cuts away, and, like, you know, there's a flash on the screen. Bison somehow walks away from it, but the dog tags are there and other stuff. So it's not 100% sure. And, like, you know, Nash has already been brought back to life again. So he's not really good at this whole staying dead thing. So if he resurfaces again in Street Fighter Six, I also think he will once again die. Oh, my God, they killed Nash. And the way I would do it is uh, he, you know, whatever, however you resurrect him, I don't care. He's in some woods somewhere and they like, you know, do the circle and they bring Nash back. And then, you know, some Dick Cheney character who's out hunting accidentally shoots him almost immediately. And again, unceremoniously, like, oh, man, and we, we only had one charge in the circle that brings people back to life. So I guess he's officially dead. And now we can move on from Nash. That's how I would do it. Dick Cheney killed Nash. So at number one, we have M. Bison. Speaking of not staying dead, Bison has died by my count. We're going to ignore that we did a video describing exactly how many times he died. Bison has died 105 times so far. So numerous cast members. Wait, did you actually actually go back and count? Well, I mean, we did the video on it. We know exactly how many times he died. So oh. but I, 105 is what I'm going to go with. So Okay. I numerous... thought you actually t- <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I did that video and, or I was the one, the lead on that. And I don't remember how many times he's actually died. I don't remember don't, 105. Don't look but up. You yeah, did a yeah. lot more research than me. And no, actually, that's exactly right. You're right. 105. So for the 106th, what should that look like? Uh, so, uh, well, uh, Numerous cast members actually confirm that Bison is finally dead now. And, and I also don't think it would be a Street Fighter game if Bison didn't make one more appearance, right? And that might be him going, you know, the Alpha Bison or whatever since they're going back in time. Um, but the thing about it is both Rose and Oro, they state that they can feel Bison's cycle power still out there despite the fact that he's he's dead. So whether it's a Phantom Bison or, you know, the, the alpha version I mentioned before, it's kind of not a Street Fighter game unless Bison dies at the end. So he's number one on my list. It's like kill Bison yet again because that's what he's there for, right? Like he, mm. they, name a Street Fighter game where Bison doesn't die. I already know you know one, but ignore that for a little bit because he dies in almost all of them. So it, it, it's you got to bring that back. Like It's like, okay, if Bison doesn't die in this, what kind of Street Fighter game do you have? That's why he's my number one character. And, and so like with the case of Bison or Nash, it's not that they could just stay dead from their Street Fighter Five ending. It's that they, well, I mean, because I guess you said that they, they're still feeling Bison's presence out there. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, now, do you need them to die or do you need them to just be out of commission? You need them to die again because it's a tradition at this point in time. It, it, it's, okay. um, it's, it's kind of like in The Princess Bride where, where the, the guy is only mostly dead. 
Um, I, that's kind of what Bison is right now. I look at him as being mostly dead, and you've got to re-dead him. Like you got to really dead him a lot, and then he's going to be Zelda dead, reference, dead. huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, dead, dead, double dead, uh, <laughs> double dead Bison. Um, the other thing I was thinking when you're, you're just where my mind went was, especially if we're doing time travel or like reincarnation of any sort of, because Bison does that all the damn time, or like transfers bodies. But if he ended up in like um, a very like a baby or a child's body, or or it was like the no, and, and I don't even really mean comically, and I don't mean as a fighting character you are taking this the wrong way okay <laughs> no where where give capcom ideas john this is this well, going off the... bison doesn't have much backstory and uh, beyond you know like when he's like i'm an evil dictator that seems to be where it sort of picks up but like maybe he's a child again and like roses around but like he's destined to become m bison but he's not m bison yet and so like their influence on him or they can like try you probably futilely try to like steer him on the right path or something like that or uh you know or they're not justified in killing him because he's done nothing wrong and he's actually a really nice guy or something like that as a kid who knows you know until that one fateful whatever turned him into bison um that's something else you could do too but not if you want to kill him. If you want to kill him, then what you said. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> so, so Capcom, we're gonna see what you do with all these these wonderful suggestions here. But uh, if if Bison doesn't die yet again this time, uh, gonna be have a lot of disappointed people out there. It's kind of like and, and himself, how to kill him at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and how he dies is that important at all, or no, can can that no, be however? He's, it's it, how, how John. Can you describe one way that Bison's died over the entire time in the Street Fighter franchise? He just kind of like melts pretty much and oh that's see it. i would be like you know like cinder block to the head or like yeah. you know uh, 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 yeah, a lot even, of things even, that i can say that wouldn't let us stay on youtube so i'm not going to say all those things that are popping in my head right now but yeah, yeah. dude dude nash killed him in street fighter 5 by grabbing his boob so i mean he didn't gosh. kill him he just sucked out <laughs> his invincibility well sucked him out through his boob so i mean that's that's impressive that's the so. main point and i don't think that we're going to say anything more intelligent on this podcast so we should probably <laughs> end it here right, thank you for staying with us to the end even if you wish you hadn't done so now and we will be back again hopefully if youtube doesn't ban us and capcom doesn't as well uh back with you guys next week so we'll see you then love you miss you bye Perfect.